Welcome to the Mac Gamecast episode 38. I'm John Carr as always, and with me is Ted and Sam. How you doing, gents? Oh, doing well. Yeah, doing very well. Thank you. Happy to have you back, Sam. It's been a while. And um good thing because we have a enormous um WWDC to um I was gonna say dissect. That sounds kind of weird. <laughs> but um to to evaluate, I guess is a much better word. <laughs> um and there's some pretty technical stuff, um, which is of course Sam and Casper's wheelhouse um right. in terms of, of the show members. So I'm very glad to have you here. Casper's unavailable for a couple of days. Um, Sam, so it's been a while. Um, I assume you caught the keynote. Did you watch it in its entirety or just like read news tidbits? Okay, you caught it all. Yeah, I was watching it live. Um, I probably watched like 90% of it live. It was a long keynote, so it was hard to watch all of it entirely. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was. I had to walk away a few times. It was just kind of playing, but yeah, I was able to at least listen to most of it. Um, watched a lot of it. So a lot of cool stuff. Um, there was some gaming news. There's some new hardware news, new computer news. Um, of course, there's always like, oh, there's a new iOS, a new iPadOS, new watchOS, new macOS. Honestly, those are all cool. Like, they actually introduced some features I might even care about when normally I'm like, oh, whatever. Um, but yeah, big keynote across the board. Um, I think Apple knocked it out of the park in terms of their presentation and their deliveries and everything. I think they had a really good flow. I mean, their keynotes are always fun, even the like recorded yeah. digital ones. But this one clearly had some extra effort put into it um, compared to previous ones, at least in my opinion. So that was like, it made it more of a treat to watch instead of just like, well, I'll skip around and maybe watch a couple things I'm interested in. This was like, oh, I'm going to, of, of course, granted the expected, you know, some sort of VR headset reveal kept me watching like, well, when are they going to do it? But <laughs> um, I was actually generally interested to see, you know, what they had cooking. So um, uh, Sam, uh, how would you, would you like to go through it sequentially? Do you just want to jump into something like you're most excited about? How, what would you like to do? I'll leave um, to you. Maybe sequentially. That might be the easiest to keep my thoughts in order. Yeah, same. That's how I sort of stacked it up. <laughs> um, I like that they jumped right into this one with the Mac stuff. Some They don't always do that. Sometimes it's all the like iOS and mobile and watch. So they just like, bam, out of the gate. Here's the new 15-inch MacBook Air. You know, not a big surprise. Long, rumored, leaked, whatever. But still happy to see it. Very happy to see its price point. What do you think of that? Yeah, I was very pleasantly surprised. I was... <sighs> dreading the price reveal and they i was pleasantly surprised <laughs> there um i was picturing i don't know 300 ish more than the current one um but it's really only 100 well it's it's 200 more but they price dropped so it's it's 100 more than the previous price point which is quite good um and what i think is interesting about that reveal is what they didn't say or didn't reveal in the sense of the m3 chips um, M2 MacBook Air came out almost a year ago today. I think it was July 2022. Um, so now we're in June 2023. M2 15-inch MacBook Air. We're probably not going to see an M3 Air for uh, spring at the absolute earliest. Um, right, probably right, summer right. of 2024. I figure out what year it was there for a second. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think we're in 2024 all the time. Yeah. Honestly, I have to like wait a minute. Oh, we're in, okay. Yeah, I don't know why, but I do. Yeah. That's that's what I thought about. Is with an, a 15 inch M2 Air just coming out in June, you're not going to have an M3 Air in September, right? Or something right. Like that would just fair. Yep. Yeah. Um. So 
M3 is still a long ways out. It was, the, I think, the un, unsaid message, but M2 is a very capable chip for right. the time being. Yeah. Um, yeah, I expected like a $1,500 price point myself. So the fact that it's 1300 or even 1200 with education discount, it's pretty nice. Um, you can upgrade the RAM. And yeah, it, with like, if you double the RAM from like 8 gig to 16 gig, it is around 1500 or 1450 or something, 1480, whatever. But, um, you know, not bad at all. Um, I was considering ordering one right away, but I was thinking my current 16-inch MacBook Pro was somehow worth more than it was. I honestly forgot I got it two years ago and not, um, I, for some reason, I thought I got it one year ago. But it's like looking on eBay, the, it's worth more or less, it's like 100 150 more than I would pay for a new MacBook Air. So I'm like, I'll just keep it. I was thinking, oh, I could sell it for like 2000 or something and like have it, quote unquote, <laughs> extra money and get a new Mac. I was like, I forget it. I'll just hold on to it. Um, I'm happy with the machine. It's just. That was the only option for a bigger screen at the time when I bought it in 2021. So, but yeah, a capable chip, like you said, um, you know, I think it's great for any on the go gamers or even more light to medium gamers. I mean, the Silicon, um, you know, we, we haven't really like deep dived, I think like M2 performance, the way we did M1 with a lot of like, there were more benchmarks and stuff we actually did in various places or maybe we referenced, but suffice to say the Silicon hardware is good kind of no matter where you get no matter like what model you pick up, it so happens that it just keeps getting better all the time. So a baseline M2 Air is is nice for sure. Um, it only has two uh, Thunderbolt ports on it, which is a little pesky, I guess, but it's also thin as heck. So The one thing I wish they would do is not even necessarily, like I would love more ports, but even if they're going to limit us to two, I wish I had one on each side. Uh, like I'm on a yeah, good point. <laughs> M1 MacBook Air right now, and it's to the left of my monitor, and I would like to plug in to the right side of it. Just it'd be nice to work hail management on my desk, but you obviously can't. Everything's on the left side. But whatever, yeah, very minor. That, that is annoying, and I do well. Of course, my the Pro I have has an HDMI port on the right, but it also has a Thunderbolt Thunderbolt four port on the right too. And I was thinking that. I had that exact thought. I'm like, oh, I'll sell this and get the MacBook Air. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm going to have to like d- d- drag my cable around and like jam it, <laughs> plug it in <laughs> on the left. So that was that was kind of funny that you brought that up. Um, uh, yeah, then they jumped, I think, from the MacBook Air stuff, I think right into the Mac Studio, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so just more updates there all around, like pretty crazy power. Yeah, I think it's like a 20, 25%-ish jump, kind of depending if you're looking at CPU or GPU. So, like, not going to blow your mind compared to the M1 Ultra, but a solid upgrade all around. Like, free performance, we'll always take that. Um, and then HDMI port got bumped to 2.1, which is nice if you need it, if, the, if you need the 4K 120 hertz or 8K. But uh, I sent the same machine, basically, just a spec bump, which... I'm happy to see Apple doing more of that now. I remember years ago when spec bumps would be few and far between. Um, it doesn't feel good buying like a machine that was released like two years ago. Um, so that just if they can keep just annually spec bump it, spec bump it, spec bump it. Because um, 20% isn't a huge jump, but if it's 20% every year and then you buy a machine, let's say every three or four years, that's a massive performance increase. Yeah, good point. I agree. No, I was always, uh, always, <clears throat> sorry. I was also happy to see that. And I was talking about it with my brother earlier today. I was like, 
Yeah, just like you said a few years ago, Apple the, the spec bumps were like really long apart, really far apart, and suddenly they're like, oh wow, they're suddenly pumping them out again. So that's cool. Um, and the studio now has what the M2 Ultra chip, which I think you and or Casper were talking about quite a while ago. Like, oh, they'll probably fuse them together or something. You guys were talking about it, and <laughs> that's exactly what they did. They even some they even had some fancy word for it, like our Ultra Fusion technology or something. <laughs> yes, it's it's two M2 Maxes fused together, essentially. It's a little fancier than that, but in a nutshell, that's what it is. Um, but the, the original studio had the same. Um, it had two M1 Maxes fused together for the M1 Ultra chip. So it's, it's nice to say they could do it again. Um, M2 is a little bit hotter than M1 for like temperature-wise and, and power, um, but... It's a pretty beefy cooler in there, so I'm expecting it'll be able to handle that chip, no problem. Yeah, they were throwing out some interesting uh, benchmarks, you know, depending on the application, you know, oh, maybe 50% faster rendering or 30, 40% faster here, or so many simultaneous 8K streams decoding live, or I, paraphrasing, could have that wrong. Um, you know, presume, you know, what was it up to 70 or 80 GP or Q? Sorry, GP. Oh my God. My brain and my braces are bamboozling me. What is it, 72? It was 70 to like 75 GPU cores. It was an enormous amount. I'm going to look right now. Far beyond what you need for gaming. Um, (laughs) Though I am still curious, like, it's it's getting much harder for me to tell with silicon, like, where is the ceiling for, like, gaming performance? Like, what... What level of like RAM and GPU cores do you really need? Well, part of that is because we don't have that many Mac games, although thankfully that is being solved later in the podcast to some extent. Right. Um, <laughs> but we don't have like a big library of like high end games running on Silicon to really gauge like, oh, like this is kind of what you need. Or maybe for the next three years, like this many GPU cores will run any release like high end. Like it's just, I don't really know. I used to know that stuff off the top of my head. I could gauge it with all the Intel you know, um, our technology and, and GPUs, but now I'm not really sure personally, but what I am sure of is a high end, like a, uh, a studio, uh, pro or ultra, whatever they're calling it. I think it's like six and a half thousand dollars as well, or it's a, it's a, the MSRP is quite high for it. Um, it's not quite as bad. Like I think fully maxed out for sure, but I'm looking right now. Um, I can get the M2 ultra, the, the base, version which has a 660 core gpu and then they sell a 76 core variant for more <laughs> money but that version is 5500 canadian so i i think it's probably like what 4000 4500 for yeah 4500 yeah. oh i think i'm mixing mixing it up with the there's a Mac Pro reveal where, sorry, I just, I was mixing it up with that. Um, in any case, if you are a heavy pro audio video user, I'm sure this is just awesome stuff. Uh, if you don't have one, or maybe it's an upgrade or a bump, like Sam was saying, 20, 25% bump for you. If you have critical workflows, well, that really matters because time is money and or efficiency and everything. Um, you know, um, if you already happen to be a pro user who also wants to game, well, there is more games coming to Mac now, some hopefully sooner rather than later. There's a lot of more encouraging news about like games being easier to port and people like Hideo Kojima encouraging other people to bring their games to the platform. We'll deep dive that a little later in the show, but you know, we can't, you know, I can't really recommend uh, a Mac studio as a, like buy this to be your main gaming machine. Um, unless you just have money to burn then whatever, but 
um, realistically, pro- you know, like it, the power is punching so far above like gaming weight. It's, you know, like pro business use or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the base model at Mac Studios, especially in the refurbished store, are pretty tempting. Like, I, they're not for me. I'm not going to buy one, but they're like in the same price territory as like a mildly spec bumped MacBook Air. Um, I'm not, my base Mac student, I'm talking about the M1 Max ones um, mm-hmm. on the refurbished store. So, like, they start at a good enough price. And I think, oh, one, one other thing that I think Apple didn't say on stage, but was made even more apparent by these reveals is this is the 27 inch iMac replacement, the Mac studio. Yeah. Um, I was hoping they were going to come out with one, but they've been so silent for so long and they're dumping a lot of marketing time into the Mac studio that I think this, this is the power for, for a budget. It's not, it's not cheap, but compared to the Mac pro it's cheap. Um, this is the de facto 27-inch iMac or iMac Pro replacement. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that as well because, yeah, it is, there is no, there is no, like, bridge or stepping stone otherwise. It's all the lower end, well, quote-unquote lower end, even the lower end's quite quite good and quite strong. Yeah. Um, but then it's, like, studio and then it's, or, or your range of studio specs, whatever, you can config that. That sliding scale's pretty big in the studio. Um, and, then, and then it's the Mac Pro. Um, I just wish that Apple themselves would release a cheaper monitor. That's the only thing that's really bugging me about this. Yeah. It's like studio. I think you can get a baseline one for around 2000 us, which isn't, you know, that's around the iMac, like higher iMac range um, or 27 inch iMac. I think they used to be like 1800, 2000 baseline. And you can crank them up to like 3000, three and a half thousand us if you fully spec them out. Um, but they had a monitor. <laughs> yeah. So my reluctance to acquire a studio is like, okay, there's no shortage of monitors on the market, but there's so many monitors. It's like, I want one that I know is going to be a nice Apple quality one. I don't need all the bells and whistles and cameras and six speakers and 10 boards and whatever the heck the giant Apple monitor has. Um, I just like, give me a monitor half the price or whatever. Like, come on, please. <laughs> The um the older LG Ultra finds that used to be like the Apple monitor, th- those ones are pretty a good deal now, and they look really nice. Um, like there's the L- LG Ultra Fine, like the 5K one, the 27 inch, and there's a 4K, like a 24 inch size. They're still not inexpensive, but they're half the price of the yeah, like 500, one. 700. You know, yeah, yeah I've seen some prices here. Yeah, for sure. I might have to look into that. Yeah, good point. Yeah, um, and then I believe they jumped right into the Mac Pro after that. Was it the Mac Pro? Was I think, the I think so, yeah. Yeah, was the... Did the Mac Studio and Mac Pro have the same like M2 Ultra chip in it? Or what, did the Mac Pro have something even higher? I kind of forget. Same chip, and let me just check right now. I believe I think it had RAM. more RAM, like 192 or 196 supported, I think. Looks like they both cap at 192. Okay, both of them. Okay. So the Pro is, from from performance standpoint, it's identical to the Mac Studio, but that doesn't. That's not the reason why you'd buy it. You'd buy it for, oh, it has an upgradable SSD, which the Mac Studio does not have. So that's right. one thing you can still upgrade, which is nice. But mostly the PCIe slots. 
Um, right. I was hoping they were going to mention graphics cards, but they did not. They said like video devices, which I was like, it's not being graphics card, but they, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, yeah. When I first saw it, oh my God, they're doing like a tower, expandable tower again. Hooray. And then exactly what you said. I'm like, they didn't mention GPUs and all these slots, but yeah, people seem to have found ways around that before. Maybe third party things come in. I don't know what might work or be allowed or I don't know, but yeah. And I think it's, it's really for those extremely niche studios that need to plug in a bunch of specialized PCIe gear wow. right like sound cards or capture cards or which is specifically what they said in the marketing so it really yeah. might just be for them but or like video editing studios or maybe their their all their storage is on some server they need 100 gig networking to access that storage server right um, the Mac studio is not going to do that whereas the Mac Pro you can just drop in some 100 gig fiber cards and you're good to go right yeah so the Mac Pro you know isn't um I, I'm there's still people kicking around with the um like the old gen um um what are they called were they even called the pro they're just the towers from like yeah the, the mac G-Spooter. pro it was a mac pro yeah yeah it was there was the uh last one was uh yeah well maybe or something well they you're not talking about the one that looked like a garbage can right <laughs> No, like the one before old, that. I had yeah. one of those. Yeah, the G5 Mac Pro. Yeah. Yes. That, that was, was that was yeah, that was a wonderful machine. You that's oh god. That was expandable <laughs> with cards and ah uh, yeah, ex- and everything, yeah. Yeah, you could do so much with that. That was wonderful. Yeah, they had <laughs> they kept that design up until 2012. Yeah. Um with the Intel Macs. And then 2013 was when the trash can Mac broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so the, man. the 2012 Mac pro had a really good run. Uh, like it's, it's, it's pretty end of life now, but for a right. long, long time, you could upgrade basically every part of that computer. Like a, like a new, like 24 core CPU or Intel. You could drop in a, a 6,900 XT video card from AMD. You can drop in like hundred and some gigs of Ram. Um, right. So that thing had a lot of legs on it for a, a long time. That's wonderful. It did. It's cool. Um, speaking of legs, yeah, I still remain impressed by silicon hardware. What I am curious, because I haven't really tested myself, even on my um, MacBook Pro, which is an M1, M1 Pro chip, um, you know, I haven't really pushed its limits in terms of gaming, mostly because, well, some of my gaming interests have gone down, not to be fair, Mac or PC anywhere. It's just I've been playing less games in general, a lot more board gaming, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, um, I, I'm getting some some passion back for some gaming, some single-player stuff, multiplayer stuff, um, and actually cheered. Well, might as well segue. Oh, sorry, I'm segueing into the gaming stuff. Did they do the gaming stuff right after the hardware, though, the Mac hardware? I think so. That's a good I think they did. I think they did. Um, so I... Death Stranding was recently free on the Epic Game Store a few weeks ago, and I was just, but I just downloaded it the other day to try it out. Um, and I was even thinking of maybe buying the director's cut. And but then the keynote came on, and Hideo Kojima, and I'm like, please announce Death Stranding for Mac. And then he goes, Death Stranding director's cut will be coming to Mac later this year. And I was like, yes, I actually cheered, <laughs> like stood up or clapped. I forget what I did, but um, you know that was cool. Um, it's a really weird and wacky game, but I do think it's very interesting is very well done and more importantly i think um at least based on resident evil or rari village resident evil 8 i think it's technically um uh it should be like well optimized on the mac it should should run well 
um, which can't be said for a lot of uh, honestly high-profile PC games lately. They've been ported. They've been terrible ports like The Last of Us. Um, I can't remember a couple others. <clears throat> Just like horrible crashes and bugs and stutters and all kinds of performance issues on launch on these like high-end AAA, very expensive games that even running on like, you know, super PC machines are like struggling. So um, I think I can trust that at least based on Resident Evil Village, um, Death Stranding will be like a very solid port that'll run well. I don't know, of course, the hardware range they'll allow, like literally anything with silicon on it, or are they going to start being like, okay, a silicon released this or a, or a silicon or an M1 Pro or whatever. I don't know what they're going to put out there. Um, eventually that'll need to happen because the games will outscale the baseline first gen uh, silicon hardware. Uh, I don't know when that point will occur, but it will occur eventually. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the big one for me, and I was just talking to Casper on the previous show, like, um, yeah, I'm very, you know, very hopeful, very optimistic, but, you know, I really want to see, like, we need more top dogs in the game, for lack of a better word, like big names, big studios. It just, it adds a certain amount of prestige and attraction you can't deny, and the platform needs it. You know, we can't get by in the occasional port from, like, one-year port from Feral, who surprisingly we're not even at this event at all in any capacity not even a screenshot of like grid legends and weren't they wasn't that announced like a year ago or something like where are they at hmm. yeah, it's been a while who knows maybe they're polishing it maybe it's hopefully i don't know ho- hopefully it wasn't like a fable situation where they announced it and then it's like two or two and a half years later whatever it was um that happened to them long ago um so i was a little that was my only uh disappointment i would say in an otherwise keynote full of just like pleasant surprises and like exceeding my expectations was no no peep from feral i was hoping let alone showing grid legends maybe even teasing something else like their next projects that was that was a bit of a letdown but um maybe you know and this is perhaps something i'd like to get into a little bit with you sam and ted like not okay apple showed a bunch of games quickly like a list and we talked about them well not with you but uh, I went over some of them with Al- uh, alex oh my lord <laughs> with casper yes. i don't know where my brain's at tonight i'm sorry um, and there was a lot of interesting games coming, a bunch of sort of indie-ish to maybe double-A kind of games, you know, a variety of RPGs and racers and sims and what have you. Um, and Apple showed a few of them quickly in like their little segment. Um, but to me, I'm most excited about the game porting kit they talked about, which would right. let PC developers, I don't know if it was directly preview their game on Mac for like bugs and performance, or they had to do a few days of work first. In any case, they said it would dramatically uh, shorten the time, uh, like they said, from months to days or or a month to days, something like that. Um, and I'm just really hyped for that level of accessibility because I feel like the high barrier of entry is one of the reasons, not the only reason, one of the reasons keeping away games to the Mac. Yeah, um, a game porting kit, as believe is the marketing term they assigned to it. It's That was the most exciting announcement of the whole keynote for me. It was new game announcements are nice but they're just one game so you're like well maybe that's just that's all but the game porting <laughs> kit shows a level especially when they give it airtime in the main keynote like it was like what a two-hour keynote with a ton of new products and they gave only a minute or two but a little bit of airtime to this game porting toolkit um that's the most exciting thing of all because yeah like you said that barrier of entry it's I think a lot of developers know their games would sell on Mac, but they just don't want to dedicate 
months or years potentially to porting them. Yeah. So if they can get that process down to maybe a week's or a few months tops, um, all it takes, I think, for a lot of studios and developers is, I'm just theorizing here, but my guess is if they can get one game out the door and it sells decently, then macOS will just be on the radar going forward for all their games. Um, and and the, the vice versa is true. If it sells bad, they probably won't really care about Mac too much going forward. Yeah. But just getting that first game out the door is is the big deal. Um, so if Apple can reduce the barrier to that, that, that's really awesome. And hopefully this will be utilized as much as I hope it will. Yeah, Ted, what do you think about that or the general gaming stuff of the keynote? I, I think it, that, yeah, that, that's a really big, important thing, I believe. I mean, I agree with you guys. The um, making, I've always thought that, you know, because the Mac OS is different than, you know, the typical Windows or whatever, a lot of developers just don't want to invest the time and the effort into prog- the programming. But if they're going to make it relatively easy, then, yeah, that's probably going to bring more things in. But, <clears throat> Now we got to see if <laughs> we got to see if there's people out there that are going to buy them besides us that have been sticking with it for so many years. And, you know, I, I mean, there's so many people who have kind of given up on, you know, waiting and have moved over to either having a PC or, you know, like in my case, doing boot camp or whatever. Um, yeah, I yeah, I was really excited to hear, you know, one of the games which was No Man's Sky, which I really like. The problem is I've invested hours into it on the, you know, under boot camp. And um so but luckily it was released on Steam so I get to play with it. <laughs> we'll see how well it does on Intel versus and I really like to see what it does on um, you know, how well it looks on um, Apple Silicon, but I don't have one of those yet. Yeah, it was nice to see No Man's Sky release for sure. Like a couple days or five days or something before the event. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you know, we it, it's an older game, but they keep updating and they keep adding stuff to it. And, um, you know, I think <clears throat> there's been, since I bought it, which was, I don't know how much, a year, less than a year ago, there's been four or five major changes to it where they've improved this, added this, something else to it. So it's really a living game. It's, you know, it's not, even though it was a 2016 game, it's, (laughs) they're prolonging its life by adding features to it, which is just wonderful, you know. Nice. That's good to hear. Yeah, it it is an older game, which I'm, at this point, sometimes I'm a little dismissive of, like, oh, it's kind of too old. Even if it's good, like, I only want the new stuff. But honestly, like, graphically still looks pretty darn good. Like, it's visual style, I think, um ages well if that's if that makes sense yeah uh, it doesn't seem very dated it actually looks pretty darn good still yeah it's it's well done and the game is fun i mean and there's so many different ways to play it that's what makes it interesting and there's an um well not infinite but almost an infinite number of worlds still <laughs> i forget what it was it was some ungodly number of of possible things and they're all randomized so you know sometimes you bump into something somebody else found but a lot of times you don't. Yeah. It's also a very unique game. So even though it's a few years late, it's it's not like No Man's Sky 2 or, or some other studio's version of the same game has come out. It's, it's going to kind of live on its own 
island, I think, for a long time for people yeah. who enjoy that really game. really think so, yeah. That's a really clever comment that I wasn't actually thinking about from that angle. Um, but yeah, now that you've said it, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's totally right. Definitely is unique. You can't just go grab, you know, there's not like 10 versions of this running around the market like there is your average shooter or RPG or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's a nice angle. Uh, speaking of unique games, um, Death Stranding is absolutely bonkers. It's such <laughs> a weird game. I don't think, I don't, well, A, I don't think any other developer would have made it. Um, but I also don't think anyone else could have gotten it greenlit. It's such a wacky premise. It's even like it's even hard to describe the game because it's like half experience, half game. But even the game loop itself seems like weird and boring because you're like, you transport cargo, like, and try not to damage it and deliver it to your destination. Is like, oh, is this some like basic indie like pickup and delivery game or something? It's like, no, no, it's a huge, big budget you know, triple A, like Hollywood actor, like game from Hideo Kojima, who's legendary in the PC and console world. So it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also what encouraged, well, A, that it's coming to Mac. That's great. Cause I think it's a cool game. It's a weird game, but you should give it a try. Even if you're not sure, just go watch a trailer. It's, it's so bonkers. Um, <laughs> you know, there's like two babies you're holding and there's like, black rain falling upside down and all sorts of weird ghosty misty things. And your character can't actually die. You can always just, he's basically immortal sort of kind of in the world. And there's all sorts of weird jargon that doesn't make any sense. Even though I played the game for like an hour and a half and I started wikiing stuff. So I'm like, what, what does like Shiral allergy mean? And what is dooms and uh, disease and all this stuff your main character has? I assume they explain it later, but I was curious right away. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a very cinematic game. It's very, like, atmospheric, uh, immersive. So, like, you have to be okay with, like, long cutscenes and lots of story. Um, I think there is some sort of action in it later. You get some sort of guns or at least some sort of, like, taser things. I'm a little unclear, but I've seen, like, clips of that. So, um, yeah, anyway, very interesting game. Give it a chance, even if you're not sure. Unfortunately, quote-unquote, unfortunately, it seems to only be coming to App Store, at least in the announcement. Um but hey, I'll take it coming to App Store versus not coming at all. Of course, I'd rather it also be on Steam or Epic or whatever. But we're still in that weird Mac space where the binaries are just all over the map. You know, it might be on both Steam. It might be on like, there might be a Mac version on Steam and not on Epic. It might be on Epic, but not on Steam. For example, Borderlands 3 released on Epic, but not on Steam later. It's like, why? Why not? You know, or it's App Store only or vice versa. It's just this kind of like mess, trifecta mess of binaries in different places are not available here and there. But um, yeah, who knows about that? Um, but what did also encourage me in the same vein as the porting kit stuff we were just talking about, Hideo Kojima said, and I, you know, I encourage like everyone, again, paraphrasing, like I encourage everyone or many people or something to bring to consider Mac you know, consider bringing the games to the Mac. I hope they do. And he said, um, I will be, I think he said, I'll be considering or I'll be bringing all like our future games to the Mac or to the Silicon. He said something like that. Um, and he is currently making Death Stranding 2, as far as I know, that's in development. Um, so that's a really cool, you know, the question is, you know, he's in the past, I've, well, I'd say I, like we, the Mac gaming community have been burned by fair amount of promises of games coming even announced in some capacity and then they never show up so i'm not doubting hideo kojima i'm just hoping 
um, he's able to stick to his word, you know, um, and future titles, which I'm sure won't be out for a year or two or years even, will show up on the Mac, you know. Uh, back to what you said about sales, as far as, I'm, you know, this is what I still don't know. Like, how well did Resident Evil Village sell? Did it sell good enough that he's saying this? As far as we understood, there was some sort of maybe Apple sponsorship involved with some of those early, like, Silicon reveal games. Is that the case going forward? Is it because it sold well enough Kojima's studio productions, whatever he's involved in? Is he's happy to just put it out? You know, these sort of things aren't really revealed to us on the Mac side the way they are in the PC console world, where they're rather announced. They've sold so many units and blah, 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 and you can dig into all the details. Yeah. We don't we don't really get that, or at least not anymore. So don't know other than it sounds great, looks great, and just hope it keeps happening. You know, that's that's basically what I gotta go with. Um yeah. Yeah, they also revealed the game mode for Mac OS Sonoma coming up. Um, it's Windows has had a game mode for a while. Um, I thought it's 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 nice that they have it. The game mode they say it'll boost performance because by by making your game high priority for the CPU and GPU, that is true. And I think that will help for folks who maybe aren't as familiar with gaming on a on a computer when they might have like a I don't know ton of stuff running in the background um, like browser and stuff who cares leave that running but like if they're trying to like render a video while playing a triple a game um, <laughs> so most people wouldn't do that but if you are the game mode will help um but the nicer thing that the game mode has is the the bluetooth what do, what do they say here i'm trying to find the quote something about doubling the bandwidth of the bluetooth right. connection which for your airpods so you get lower latency in the audio if you're using airpods um, or any other Bluetooth headphone. Um, and also for controllers, Xbox and PlayStation controller, if you're using that on your Mac. Yeah, it says it'll double the sample rate for paired controllers and Bluetooth devices. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they say dramatically lowering audio latency with AirPods. So I don't, maybe I that's have... just AirPod exclusive, who knows? But <laughs> That would be funny. Um, I, have ex- I have definitely experienced some Bluetooth lag before with my AirPods, um, so that would be welcome. Uh, yep. I feel like this is slightly more aimed at maybe laptops, because I think it also mentioned something about battery life in the game mode. Right. Um, but nonetheless, certainly some desktop um, or plugged in uh, laptops could benefit from it. Um, and once again, it's just like, it means Apple is willing to actually develop tools and systems and sort of ecosystems around gaming. They've been doing it on iOS for forever and iPad, but now they've finally like 10 years later <laughs> or whatever, um, have like taken that step onto the Mac. And that's very encouraging. Once again, it's not like, like you said, it was a two hour keynote. The gaming segment was maybe like five minutes or six minutes or something between Hideo Kojima and Death Stranding and then the game mode and the porting kit. I don't know the exact timestamp, but it felt around five to six minutes. But yeah, it's awesome that they still dedicated the time. Um, and I think there's some workshops on it later as well. Like all week, there was like workshop lab things going on. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just good news. Um, you know, how many people will use it? Who knows? But, you know, macOS Sonoma is coming. We can talk about that shortly. Um, so any, any boost to gaming is welcome. You know, like... <clears throat> And I don't want to sound desperate, but like more or less, Matt Gaming is desperate or has been kind of up until now-ish. 
at least with this prospect, because even the prospect was unknown. It was just tenuous. It was just theoretical. Now, at least, oh, we have a prospect. We have game porting kits. We have big name developers promising, you know, they're going to bring their games to the platform now and in the future. And, um, oh, look, macOS has a game mode now. Like, like, yeah, <clears throat> like they're, it's not like a rebranding of the image or something. Like, oh, Macs are like cool gaming machines now. Of course not. But the fact that they're willing to do this much means means something. I mean, it's more beyond the just Macs are marketed only for, you know, professionals and students and whatever. Now, at least there's just like this small inkling, but substantial inkling of like, oh, they can game. They have a gaming mode. They have a game porting kit. They have big name games. You know, I mean, Resident Evil Village was a big deal. I mean, it sold like seven and a half million copies worldwide. It's a very popular game, especially for a single player game. Um, I don't know how many copies sold on Mac, but it's on Mac. Death Stranding's coming, also very popular, very acclaimed game. I mean, and this is what I'm curious about also, and this is like theoretical tech, like tech speculation. So, you know, we've had, you know, okay, Aspire's long gone, Saber, Interactive, or whatever, Bottom, haven't heard a peep from them since, but Feral's still alive, they're still kicking, they're still presumably porting Grid Legends to Mac. So how so how necessary are like specialized Mac gaming porting houses like Feral and Aspire and previously virtual programming. Or you had people like, um, oh my, I think it was Ryan Gordon or Gording. I forget his name. He was like a specialized porter um, in the Mac space. Ryan, somebody the other. Sorry, I forget his last name. I think it's Ryan G. Anyway, um, like with the new Silicon hardware, with the porting kit, with game modes, with, you know, studios doing more in-house ports like Kojima and what have you. You know, how necessary are people like Feral? You know, they were a necessity of their time, the early 2000s, basically, um, when it was needed. Um, and there was basically no other way these games would show up. Unless, okay, we had like Bungie at the time who were Mac only, but then Microsoft bottom, yada, yada. You know, and that was history. But I'm not saying this because I want Feral to go away. I'm just curious, like, what sort of expertise is required now? Um, with these new tools and these new technologies and the sort of like onboarding or support, like how much do you need? My, I'm not a developer, but my, I've heard a decent amount on this over the years. And my assumption is if you have a brand new game or a brand new ish game, like dust stranding or, or resident evil, and you put the time in, it's fairly easy to port like i don't want to trivialize it but it's not a huge deal as long as you're willing to put the effort in whereas if you have some older game that's perhaps extremely popular but you never ported it and now we're 10 years in the future five years whatever extremely difficult to port because it's not using any of the modern libraries and everything like the current games are using and i think the evidence for that is we still see excuse me we still see porting studios exist even in the console world um like playstation for example owns blue point as a studio and they don't really make their own games they just port games to ps5 um oh. like one of the ps5 launch games demon souls blue point ported that from ps3 to ps5 and not just a port but like a full blown like remaster of the game um <clears throat> interesting so Feral, I think, occupies that a similar space where it's it lets your games using Unreal Engine 4 
and you're it's a pretty out of the box game in terms of just like we're using Unreal Engine and we're not doing a ton of custom stuff. Unreal Engine supports Mac OS. I'm assuming that port should be pretty simple. But if you have some like crazy tweaked game that you had to do like a whole bunch of hoops to get working the way you wanted, or I'm thinking back to uh this is going a long ways back, but Bioshock, which is native to the Mac. I don't know if it runs anymore with the 32-bit apocalypse, but that game was using this like hybrid Unreal Engine 2.5, where it was like Unreal Engine 3 wasn't released yet, but Unreal Engine 2 didn't do what they wanted it to do, so they created this like hybrid in-between. Um, and Feral, I'm pretty sure it was Feral port of that game to Mac OS. Yep. Years the ago. The remaster does still work. Um Oh, nice. Well, I think I think they ported the original. Man, now I don't even know. Did they do like Bioshock and then later the Bioshock remaster as well or something? I'm kind of hazy on that, but yeah. yeah. So it's, I think Pharaoh will occupy that space and they can either choose to do what they often do where they port a game sort of of their own volition, um, obviously getting approval from the publishers and stuff, right. or they may get approached by a publisher. So like, hey, we want to bring this to Mac. Right, we right. We really want to deal with this. Here's a million dollars, and you're going to port it to Mac. Right. Kind of thing. That's true. No, I, I like that you brought that up. I wasn't aware of um, stuff like that going on in the console space. That's cool. That does make a lot of sense. Um, and the reason I brought them up is because I'm really fond of Feral. They ported some of my favorite games. I've spent quite a bit of time talking to them back when I actually did journalism like as a gig. Um, you know, they're cool guys. They're cool people. Like, uh, they, you know, they brought a lot of joy to me personally in my life with the games they've ported and everything. Um, I really like their attitude and style. Um, I like the people working there, the ones that I know of. Um, and I'm basically sad I don't hear from them more. That's why I keep bringing them up in the podcast. It doesn't come from a place of like me not liking them. It comes from a place of love and not even disappointment. I'm kind of sadness. Like, come on, like, I want to see more of you guys. Um, and I am very curious, but of course, we don't know. Like, yeah, how are they, are they, um, are they like, uh, are they putting themselves out there? Like, hey, oh, hey guys, we can, we can port your games with all this new stuff. Like, are they just going to kind of stick to these older, like older game to newer transition things, which has its niche? Um, I'm very curious, but I do hope like, I, yeah, I would love for, you know, yeah, some to throw a million dollars at them and just port some games or something that would be wild. Um, cause they do a really good job. They've always done a really good job on their games or maybe not literally every single game but all the recent games i can think of going back to like 2013 to 15 you know all the tomb raiders and what have you like just excellent performance and tweaks and they, they go the extra mile for the mac stuff and they add in like all the like rumble controller support and 3d audio libraries and like they do all this like custom stuff you know in some cases even beyond what the original like pc or console game had so you know, they're mad lads and ladies over there um, in the UK at Feral HQ. And I got a lot of respect for them. I just wish we'd hear from them more. And, um, you know, I hope they can reinvent themselves as maybe too strong a word, but like adapt, I guess, would be the word to these like quickly changing tech times with all the newer kits and the porting and the metal and more outside support coming in um, with like Kojima and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll see. Um, maybe Good Legends is one of those legacy games maybe that's too strong a word because it's not that old but maybe it was just old enough to be really obnoxious <laughs> to port it <laughs> yeah could be i was just looking on their website they have a post about grid legends from today 
Oh, <laughs> so really? So it, it's not out yet, but they say it's it's coming this year. Okay. So That's apparently great. it was teased at, the, at WWDC. I'm guessing they're talking about a like a sub. Previous one it was. <laughs> I think they, they say so. Quote just teased at Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference. Grid Legends latest installment um, oh. is being towards macOS. I mean, I I thought I watched the whole gaming segment. I mean, at one point there was like a shifting the display of like different Mac devices and screens and games like zooming around. It could have been I looked at one and missed like Grid Legends being on one of them, but mm-hmm. it didn't like feature at the event the way well Death Stranding did. I guess that was the only game that featured. But I believe they showed, I think it was Elex 2, like RPG. There was like some dude running around, like throwing fireballs or something. Yeah. That was on there for like 30 seconds. So Grid Legends didn't get that treatment. Like, oh, here's the game for like half a minute or a minute, like zooming around. But maybe it was there like somewhere and I just missed it. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, they're still alive. Good news. Uh, We got our uh, Sam live on the scene here (laughs) 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 reporting on Feral. Um, No. Yeah. They're, they're still here. I'm not not trying to say they're going to go bankrupt or, or like disappear or something, but all right, cool. Still coming. Maybe post Grid Legends, we'll hear, you know, some more uh, some more mojo from them. That'd be nice. Any other um, like before we segue into non gaming stuff, um, any any last thoughts on that? Uh, nothing for me. No. Are, are we wanting to go through like iOS and Sonoma and stuff or not really? Uh, you know, at least an over like we can skim it. It doesn't have to be like deep dive the way we've been doing, but like any or basically like did anything stand out to you or excite you about you know, any of the iOS, iPad OS, Sonoma stuff, you know? Uh not really. Uh that sounds rude, but it it it, it, it it's it was fine. It's yeah. It was, it was like, yeah, lots of nice little things coming, but Yeah, that was a you know, here and there. I honestly, I tend to skip those parts of the event and maybe just look at a quick recap later, like on 9to5Mac or TechCrunch or whatever it is. Um, but this time I happened to watch it. And yeah, I kept going, oh, you know, that's cool. You know, that's neat. Oh, you know, new features here on like health and sharing and communication. And basically, you know, Apple's just a finely tuned machine. And each year they're trying to make things look better, more accessible, easier to use, more thoughtful, or just new features. You know, basically none of it's bad. It's all just for the general good of, you know, daily life computing on your watch, on your phone, your iPad, your computer, whatever it is, you know, more integration, easier ways to share numbers or notes or just just a variety of little quality of life stuff or even brand new little apps. And it's like, yeah, it's all cool stuff. The game mode on Sonoma's, you know, the biggest one related to gaming stuff. We already talked about that. Not too fond of the name, you know, I was hoping, I don't know. Casper said he was open for Redwood, and I was like, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I'd like that. I don't even know what Sonoma's supposed to mean. They hinted something about wine or vineyards or something. I'm not a... Yeah, Sonoma Valley is a big wine-growing area. Oh, okay. See, I'm just ignorant on that. So right. I was like... I, they had this like illustration of like a valley thingy, and I thought yeah. they were going to explain more, and then they just launched into the, the tech stuff. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> One uh, silly feature, but I like it, is the live what do you refer to them as like the live wallpapers or screensavers yeah. they have on apple tv they're bringing those to mac os so like Ooh. on your lock screen it'll be that like really beautiful slowly scrolling image um, oh nice and then when you log in it keeps that image but it just kind of like settles to a rest and then you have a static image for your desktop background 
Um, I find those live screensavers for Apple TV are actually one of the things. If we have people over at my house, um, they immediately notice if the Apple TV has its live screensaver playing because they're like gorgeous. Those yeah, live really gorgeous. Yeah. Nice. And they keep yeah, I, them. yeah, I did see them talk about that. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> I was like, I'll use that. So, yeah. Useless feature that's not going to change anybody's life, but <laughs> so. yeah, like mostly when I was watching it, <clears throat> um, I just had this general feeling, and we'll get to this especially with the one more thing, which took up like I feel like half the show or 45 minutes or something. Um, it was just kind of a lot of feel good stuff, like Apple's just feeling good, they're not really pressured to do anything in particular, they're like just going out of their way to find, yeah, all these like random features they can add or either from one device to another or from one ecosystem to another, by which I mean like, oh, tvOS or iPadOS or macOS or whatever. And um, yeah, they're just really polishing it, you know, all around, like really honing in on all this stuff. You know, I did appreciate um, just from a general point of view, you know, they're talking about mental health and like mindfulness and a journal app and this and that and um, things like... Um, I think on the iPad cameras, it can sense if you're too close for too long and they'll tell you to like look away for like eye strain. Just, you know, technology is a great tool, but it can also be just like misused or abused and kind of um, you can overdo it. You can get too lost in it or even injure yourself. With like um, what did they used to call it when texting became a big thing with your thumbs? It was like text, oh, yeah. texting thumb or something was like yeah. a new doctor term or whatever. I'm paraphrasing, but um, so, you know, if they can do put out, if they can like be responsible, obviously the individual ideally is responsible, but a bunch of people aren't people don't have common sense or it's just kids who don't maybe not, uh, may not know any better, or maybe they're not taught by their parents. Maybe they don't know any better. Who knows? But you know, all these like extra little reminders on health, whether it's physical health, mental health, I, I, you know, your eye health, whatever, um, your ears, you know, ear volume, like the AirPod pros, or maybe general AirPods already have like a sound monitor. If right. stuff's too loud, like I just appreciate all these little touches. Like this is good. Like, this is a this is a nice positive use of technology that is just generally useful for anyone using it, um, or at least potentially useful. The last thing I thought of is it's just a little anecdote, really. Um, as of yesterday, we are done with the Apple Silicon transition. There is no more Intel Macs available on Apple's website. Oh snap! I didn't even notice that. Yeah, the Mac yeah. Pro was the last one, but oh, I feel so. like. We need like a, a we need Casper with his guitar to like play a tune like a like a dun, dun, dun. I don't know what's a, like a somber like on the way out sort of tune whatever it is I don't know um, <laughs> so we support you or salute you Intel Intel Max of course I'm on an Intel Mac right now but honestly I plan on selling it this week um, I should have sold my iMac like months ago when it was worth a lot more money. And I think the value dropped. I think it said the last time I looked, it dropped like $800 in value. <laughs> not even kidding. Like, and when I say value, I mean like what eBay is selling it for. And I'm like, oh, dang it. I should have sold this sooner. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't really needed it. I've just sort of hung on to it for whatever. My main machine's actually a laptop with a big curved monitor now. But anyway, whatever. First world tech problems, can't complain. Um, yeah, no, Silicon's definitely reaching its stride, but that's interesting that it's not there on um, on Apple's site. Of course, the secondhand market or third-party sites will have a bunch of them, but... Yeah, I'm sure Apple's refurb store still has Intel Macs, but... Uh, right, right. No more new Macs right. going forward. End of an era. End of an era, indeed. 
But it feels like comfortable to me now. If they did that any sooner, it would be weird. But now that the saturation's pretty good, two years, three years in, whatever it is, they have a great range of models at great prices. Uh, you mentioned the refurb store. I used to use that all the time for like 10 years at least. Um, now I just look for deals or this or that. Um, but yeah, the refurb store is the first place I used to go for a very long time. And all my friends, family, everyone was like, refurb store, refurb store. Um, good stuff most of the time. Yeah, um, end of an era, but perhaps start of a new one with Tim Cook's one more thing. He didn't say it as cool as, you know, Steve used to say it. I was just mildly <laughs> disappointed in that. But hey, I'm not going to complain. He used the phrase. He did it like. One thing I was hoping they would do, it would have been a very Steve Jobs thing, is like do the big build one more thing and then like do like a fake lame announcement. Like Steve Jobs did that a couple times where it was like, <laughs> um, I forget what he did the one time with the iPod where he showed like a rotary dial on an iPad <laughs> and it was like this new feature. And then he's like, just kidding. And he goes to the real new thing was iPod video or something. Right, right, right. But, yeah, I was hoping they're going to do like one more thing: the Pro Polishing Cloth Two. <laughs> I'd say that would have been brilliant. A lot of people would have liked that. And would have been like, great. Ah, here, here it is. Here it is. Here's yeah. the AR goggles you guys waited for. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been yakking a bunch already. Um, what did you guys think of the uh, Apple Vision Pro reveal? Ted, I'll let you go first. Oh, okay. Um, it. It looks really interesting. It, it it looks to me like it'd be a lot of fun to have something. I'm a little bit. The price point was a little bit more than I th kind of thought of. I think that's one of the biggest things. And it, it kind of it's a great concept. And if anybody was going to do it right, it would be Apple. But I just was thinking that, you know, the price point, it's going to put it into the realm of you know, something that only some people would be interested in getting into. It's not something I can see for, you know, casual gaming, you know, right off the top. Although it would be wonderful for something like that. It it just, you know, I just can't see people going out and buying that. I mean, it's more than the, uh, the cost of it is more than the uh, Mac Studio. I mean, <laughs> you know. I don't know a whole lot about the uh, the hardware inside. I, don't, I didn't pick up a whole lot on that, so I'm kind of curious. Is it a standalone computer, or can you interact? I know you can interact with other things, and there's the potential of, you know, taking your screen from your Mac and putting it, you know, using it on that, um, which would mean, and essentially, you could use it for, you know, at least monitoring a game. I don't know how you do input, but. <laughs> it's going to take a whole getting used to a whole new bunch of stuff. So it looks interesting. I, you know, if somebody gave me one, I'd have a lot of fun playing with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was really impressed by it from a, from a technical standpoint. Mm. Um, and I was in like a group chat in my work messenger, like my Slack for work. Right. Um, people were of varying opinions on it, but I think, there's there's a lot of naysayers they hear out there like 3500 bucks like that thing's gonna be dead in arrival mm -hmm. um i think it's important to like put it in context of it's a year away 
So I'm not saying everybody should save up for a year and buy one. That, that would be no, no, <laughs> nobody needs this product. We'll we'll put that out there from the get go. Um, nobody needs this thing, but it's definitely a cool product. Say it similarly, you don't need an iPhone, you don't need a Mac, but uh, it's a year away. It's augmented reality glasses, which if you just think of augmented reality from a idea that is yet to be achieved. I think everybody would agree that it's it's really interesting tech and it will, will probably almost certainly oh, yeah. be the tech at some point. So Apple's saying now's the time or a year from now, 2024 is the time. Um, so we'll see. That's It's the most ambitious product they've launched since the iPhone, like by, like by far. Um, so it's it's also, I think, the first like real new product in quotation marks of tim cook's era um like there's the apple watch and stuff but like nobody's expecting the apple watch to like redefine computing in the world i have one i like one but it's it's a niche product um so yeah it's it's really really interesting and i think the other thing that you'll hear a lot of comparisons about online is like oh look an oculus quest is like 200 bucks it's like yep and it's a very different device. Um, <laughs> like just the displays, they have the micro OLED display that has shows 64 pixels in the size of a single iPhone pixel. That display by itself is insanely expensive. Um, so I'm my, my honest thoughts on it is I think it's extremely exciting idea that apple of all companies is is, is trying to tackle this new medium for computing i guess you would say um but my realistic expectations is version one is going to be really really interesting and cool and it's probably going to suck at the same time (laughs) think about it like the first gen iphone first gen ipad where like the first gen iphone didn't even have an app store um stuff like that and then once you get to Gen 2 or Gen 3, that's when the product's really going to hit its stride. Um, like version 1 is going to be wowed by the tech, but there'll be like so many little things that are wrong with it. Version 2 will probably fix a lot of those items, and then version 3 will like start to improve on their expandable on the idea. It's my, it's my assumption. But going back yeah. to like the iPhone, like iPhone, original iPhone was like, revolutionary in so many ways but also at the same time like immediately was obvious like the shortcomings it had as a gen one device um same with ipad i remember the ipad came out and everybody was complaining like well doesn't have flash like how is this gonna exist (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so it's uh yeah it's oh and the last thing i'll say is i think the name Vision Pro implies probably a cheaper model eventually, just an Apple Vision non-Pro. But uh, <laughs> I think it'll be a very different product in 2028 20, or so. Um, Gen 1 is definitely for the early adopters who want to pay the early adopter tax and mm. get a first look at this new tech. Yeah, it's definitely wild. I mean, um, you know, I've always been a big fan of this idea myself just from you know general not just from the gaming front but reading all kinds of sci-fi books and cyberpunk sci-fi whatever all kinds of stuff just general like you know um oh my god what's it called i can't remember the name all of a sudden 
Snow, cr- Snow Crash. I'm thinking of Snow Crash, um, the book, you know, old book by, uh, I think, Neil Gaiman, if I'm not mistaken. It's written in like the 80s, early 90s, I think 80s or something. And yeah, it's all about like virtual reality and interaction and stuff. But um, yeah, I think this definitely has, as an idea, this is like mind blowing. So it's like Ready Player One kind of shit. Um, halfway there, at least. It's like no one else is doing anything like it. May, I, people are doing things like it separately in pieces. No one's doing it so all-encompassing in one device, um, especially, um, you know, there is like five, six, $8,000 VR devices kicking around the market, but no one's ever really heard of them. They don't have mass appeal. Um, the price point is high. I expected 3000 so 33500 US Canadian. I think I did a quick translation that it was... Uh, I lost it. Oh, yeah, uh, that would be four thousand six hundred eighty-seven dollars Canadian. That says starting at. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's the range? I hundred percent agree. The fact that they started with Pro means there'll probably be a non-Pro version later. And that was my first thought. Like, why wasn't it just called Apple Vision? I personally think that's cleaner and cooler. But maybe they're just going big. They're doing it in reverse, starting big, and then they'll scale it back later when they have maybe the tech or the what do you call it? Uh, the ecosystem built up to do so. Um, I really wonder, you know, the hands-on demos so far that people have reported on, again, TechCrunch, tech 95 mac and a bunch of others, they had a half-hour de- guided demo to note um, on the Apple Park or grounds or what have you. And from the, I read three different reviews and they're all like very positive, very cool, but saying like, okay, this was really cool, but A, it was a guided demo. B, I like need more time with it. Like I need hours with this thing. How will it feel to wear in your head? Will it be disorientating? Will the whole idea of, you know, um, them, you know, with the goggles that dim when people come nearby and you can just see and like keep interacting with the world, like, which is pretty wild tech, um, you know, will that help uh, mitigate the sort of issues you have with fully enclosed VR systems or VR AR systems? Um, I'm curious about that. I'm curious, could this proper, like within reason, depending on your use case, replace a desktop computer or even a laptop computer? I say use case because I mean, is your use case mostly browsing, reading, watching videos, texting, emailing, photos, like that, all that kind of stuff. Um, though I'm wondering if I could get away with like doing coding work on it. <laughs> it did show a virtual keyboard, but then they they cut to say like, oh, if you're doing like a lot of writing, you should use like a wireless Bluetooth keyboard or something. So I'm like, oh, well, if I could hook up a wireless keyboard and mouse to it, fairly interesting. And like Ted said, said earlier, you can like snipe your your Mac screen from it. Um, I don't know how seamless it'll be in their video. They just had like the person look at the screen and like, boop, and it sucked Popped it up into right the up. Yeah. AR space. Will it be that easy and cool? I don't know. Um, uh, but the price point's interesting. And Apple themselves took some minor pain to point out at the end. Well, yeah, like Teddy said, the screen's insanely expensive, that kind of quality. And Apple's like, yeah, if you bought a high-end screen and a 3D surround sound system and this and that and all the sort of hardware packed into one, it would actually cost more than this, quite a bit more. Um, Oh, I think a 3D TV because it's going to do 3D movies and, you know, can... um, I just think it's super cool, the idea of, yeah, the you can view your space normally and have, like, your overlays of apps and things you're working on or watching or doing... And then you can see people or talk to people or you can like turn a dial, I think it is. And like, whoosh, now you're on the moon or at a beach or at the mountains or what have you. And you're like surrounded. Um, It's pretty wild. And I think they're definitely taking a stab at like this is this is like kind of the next gen of computing that Mm -hmm. becomes a norm. Will Apple define it and then everyone follow them? Will 
I don't know, right now they're definitely seemingly the leaders, or at least they present, let's just say they presented it the coolest and the best. We can say that much. I think even an Apple hater could look at this and go, well, that's pretty darn cool. You know, um, no one else is doing anything this cool all in one, like encompassing kind of package, at least publicly knowable military, whoever, I'm sure they have all kinds of stuff, but that's not the point of this podcast. Um, I was just mostly just impressed. Like this really feels next gen and it feels if they can actually hit everything they're talking about, at least like reasonably crazy impressive. Will first gen have a lot of problems. I expect it to. Um, do I hope it doesn't? Yes, because I, you know, I want this kind of stuff to become, if not the norm, at least more like accessible, sellable. Um, it's not like Apple needs the money or something. They're like the richest company on earth or what have you. Um, and I think they can even afford a slow start on this as long as it's good enough for people to kind of start picking up or develop, like the kind of developer support they talked about was interesting. Um, what I thought was cool is I actually started with not gaming and entertainment showcasing. I actually appreciated that because this is this is really what it is. It's not just about computing. It's almost about like, enhancing life does that make sense it's like Mm -hmm. because they talked about these use cases like collaborations like oh you could be working on like a car design or car modeling and like in a shared space or they talked about um uh industry uh what do you call them not conveyor belts something machine lines conveyor belt i I have the wrong word i can't quite think of it but they actually gave like business industry use cases first and then they talked about the gaming and entertainment stuff later which actually appreciated even though this is the mac gamecast but as far as this device's impact goes, of course, the entertainment value is um, very high. So they showcase, obviously, a lot of like photo stuff, a lot of movie stuff. I can do 3D movies. That's cool. Or you could watch a movie like in a big screen or zoom it in or at any size. You could scale it or, you know, yeah, go to the moon and watch a movie. Um, but what I thought was cool, they also talked about um, partnering with Unity for doing game stuff. It was a throwaway line. It was like one sentence. I heard like, that. We yeah. also partnered with Unity for like games and then they moved on. It's like, what game? What, what, how? They didn't say. So that was cool. Unity engine's pretty strong. It's not Unreal Engine, frankly, but it's still very good. Puts It powers a lot of good games. No problem. Um, then they talked about, well, Disney, Bob Iger came on stage and talked about all these like Disney experiences, Disney Park, Disney World, Universal, become a superhero kind of like a to me it felt like a upgraded version of those old like on rails games you would play and all this like cool scripted stuff would happen <laughs> it kind of felt like this was that but in like the 3d sort of surround whatever 360 view form um i'm rambling here i'll finish up with saying um i think yeah the potential's huge the implications are huge not for just entertainment but all sorts of like business and communication purposes um and collaboration type purposes potential a keyword is potential it has to get out in the wild has to be tested used you know are there problems can the price point come down you know is it comfortable to wear a long time right now it has what a two-hour battery with like this little like magnetic plug-in thing that slips in your pocket or it can be powered all day with a different plug how easy is that to sit at a desk can you stand can you move with it can you only use it indoors can it be used outdoors like all these kind of questions (laughs) um you know, don't know, have to see, but it's, it's very exciting. It's very cool. How practical and applicable it all becomes. Does it become a standard? Does it become just an Apple thing? Will they actually open up the, um, what is it called? The vision OS or whatever it's called the platform to more developers. I mean, they're already partnering with Disney, they're partnering with the unity. 
they're doing like interesting things beyond what they do with like iOS and macOS, or let's just call it mobile OS and macOS. Um, you know, will they, I doubt they're not going to become, you know, not going to become Android or whatever and just be open and free. But um, I would like to see specifically this ecosystem, the T, I, I think it's called Vision OS. Um, right. The headset OS, the Vision, the Vision OS. That maybe not open, not open source, but like I want more people on board with it because it's not to me. This is this is more than about an Apple ecosystem. This is like a potential new way to like share and interact and even experience like aspects of life. Um, maybe I'm getting too grandiose here. I don't know, but to me, I'm just like overexcited about it because I'm like, wow, I've been like hoping for this kind of thing forever, and I didn't know when I would see it in my lifetime, or at least again the idea of it substantially, um, or like convincingly. Um, cause again, the, the, the meta quests and the valves and whatever indexes have been around for a number of years and they're cool. And I've tried a few at PAX East, um, the meta quest, uh, the pros or whatever. I tried one, a uh, flight sim game and some other like brawler game and they are very cool, but I tried them very briefly demos. Like, I don't know, last one was like 2018 or 19 or something, but anyway, it's cool stuff. I've rambling too long. Oh, sorry. Last thing, the hardware Ted asked, he didn't know what hardware was in it. It has an M2 chip. I don't know if uh, I don't know if it's an M2 Pro or Ultra or what. It's an M2 chip. I know that much. And then they created a special new R1 chip. They're calling it to handle all the like simultaneous like processing and sensors and cameras and all this stuff that like feeds together. Okay, I'll shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention the M2 chip. And um, what I think is interesting too is the two-hour battery life in conjunction with the M2 chip. Um, think of how long an M2 chip lasts in a MacBook Air. It's like what eighteen hours or something, so that chip's working overtime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's wild. Like if you were gaming on a MacBook Air, like an M2 MacBook Air at like one hundred percent load, I think you would get more than two hours of battery life. And obviously, the goggles are going to use more power than just a thirteen-inch display and stuff. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a really compelling product, and I think all they really have to do, I think, is just make it apparent what the potential is with the first gen of the product. They don't have to nail it if they do great, but they don't have to. It just, it just has to be obvious. Oh, if it just did this one thing a little better, how amazing it would be. Like, I think as long as people can see the potential in the product, that's, that's what gets you a gen two, gen three, gen four, that product that's really dialed in. Um, and that two hour battery life is not great, but it's gen one. So. Yeah, I was a little surprised, especially like you said, because it's an M2 chip and um, the MacBook Pros can get up to like 22 hours. Oddly enough, it's more than the airs. That used to be reversed anyway. Um, so goddamn, that thing is sucking power. <laughs> yeah. But it does have like, I forget what they said, six or 12 cameras and all the lenses and 3D audio. And there's like this like ludicrous amount of sensors and arrays like going on constantly. Um, yep. looking for people and audio levels. And of course, yeah, the, the display is, I'm sure, what's like sucking up a lot of the juice with all its augmented stuff and reality stuff. Um, that's, that's what kind of chuckled because say, because they even showed like, oh, you can be on the plane and watch a movie with these things. I'm like, well, how far are you going to get in a movie? Say, it's a, what if it's a two and a half hour movie or two hour, 20 minute movie on your two hour battery life? <laughs> like, <laughs> You can't finish the movie, <laughs> you know? You're five or 10 minutes away because credits and then, ah, your battery runs out. So um, I thought that was kind of funny. But again, like you said, Gen 1. But, you know, if they could push it to like 
four hours. Let's say they double it. I think that would be like pretty darn acceptable. Yep. You know, um, even AirPods right now are what five hours or something. I like that. So like, if they could get up to like near that range, not that you have to match them, but like sort of this on the go, like okay, that's like a serious chunk of time to use it. I'd either get work done, to relax, to play, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting how they play it. It's I don't think I've seen a I'm trying to think of my lifetime like a similar product. But I don't know. Like iPhone's the closest one I could think of. Um I thought of another comparison to the iPhone launch. I I actually before I say that, I don't think those products are gonna be like on the same level as the iPhone, or maybe it will be, but um I'm just remembering from the iPhone launch, the price was also like there's a famous video clip of Steve Ballmer, CEO of, of, of Microsoft at the time, like literally laughing out loud at the price. Of the iPhone <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So Classic. it's, it's not guaranteed by any means that this product will be successful, but if it is a lot of the chatter that you hear outside of the Apple ecosystem, but like people looking in, I think they will be similar to a lot of the chatter about the iphone where it was like well like how do you take a phone call like this you're gonna press a button with your ear like how do you right. zoom in and then like steve jobs is showing the pinch to zoom and right um, it's it's definitely a new medium that's gonna i think some of the stuff they're doing here if they do it well will be on the same level as like pinch to zoom and like turn off the screen when you hold it up to your ear and like stuff that just seems like like no one even invented that that was just the way it was <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah it has the potential to be that over time obviously it's not going to be on launch but five ten years from now like will this type of computing be the norm and um that's really interesting to me is is like you said new medium definitely and the poten- potential super cool um and with an m2 chip um so I guess I'm, <laughs> I don't really understand all the hardware in this thing. Like, does it have a bunch of RAM in there? Like what kind of games could it run? I don't know. Like in the fact that it can, um, 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 what's it called? Like mirror your display, so to speak from your Mac. Does that mean you could play any game on the Mac and just like stream it to your headset? Like how will that work? Will it, you know? Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm very curious about these kinds of things. Um, they did say it would have its own, uh, vision app store, vision store, whatever it is. Um, you know, <clears throat> I think they said something about quite a few apps and games and this and that. I think they said over a hundred games from the Apple Arcade or App Store. I don't know if they said Arcade or App Store. I forget. I think it was Arcade. I think it was Arcade. Um, frankly, I don't know if there's any game on Arcade I would play, but that's fine. Um, I would also, I think, be more willing to play those kinds of games in like AR, VR type thing because um, it'd be presumably more cool. Yeah, the the experience of it. And they talked about other stuff like sports, like, oh, you could be ringside at a game and, you know, when a player scores, there's all these, like, effects and stuff happens and you can, like, watch a replay and zoom it around. And, you know, again, none of this is necessary. This is like, oh, how to increase our enjoyment. But um, both the entertainment and the, like, sort of collaboration, businessy work stuff is really cool. Like, I just want to know if I can do, like, coding and web work on it. And if I can, <laughs> how well. Because that really interests me. Because like right now, I'm buying like bigger monitors or multiple monitors so I can have more real estate to work. And I'm like, well, dang, if I could have my whole room and like a huge, you know, kind of 180 or whatever to work on, 
just be like, oh, my window's over here and over there and coding. I'd be like, damn, I'd be all over that. But, um, you know, we'll see. <laughs> it seems like they're positioning it as like not tethered in any way to any computer or phone. Like you, you can complement each other with it, but it's its own thing fully. So it depends how much they open up Vision OS. We won't know that. Till right. Later. Right. But For sure. As an M2 chip, you could be running a bunch of terminal windows. and Right. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you do on a Mac, you could, in theory, do on the headset. That's what, that's, that's what I'm thinking. And I'm like, all right, I'll just use my laptop and a plug-in monitor for a while. Or just my laptop. I mean, you know, I go to two different places um, often. But it's like I see me in different backgrounds. But, um, yeah, I'm already thinking like, hmm, Instead of like another monitor or a desktop replacement, maybe I could get a Vision Pro. Because, <laughs> like Sam was just saying, it's actually untethered to any particular system. Could be complemented by Mac devices, or you know, uh, presumably like most Bluetooth compatible devices. Seemingly, like they obviously showed an Apple Bluetooth keyboard, but I imagine any Bluetooth keyboard would actually connect to the darn thing. Um, I'd be surprised if it didn't. Um, I guess, okay, here's one thing maybe you guys caught and I didn't. They keep talking about the like 3D audio and everything, but I never saw any sort of like earbuddy things in anyone's ears. Like, said there was something I heard. It was something like there's some sort of speakers that are in there. Um, I'm trying to remember what they had a word for it. Spatial or something? Yeah, well, it's definitely spatial, but I think there's actually like little mini speakers in there. They don't sit in your ears, they sit above you know oh. like kind of like your headset you know like regular over the ear headphones type of thing and uh that's the impression i got from what i heard i don't know you could correct me on that but that's i would watch when i was watching the video on that kind of like what i got from it yeah, i kept hearing them talk about it but i didn't know like well you know what the speakers above your ears in your ears i couldn't figure that out yeah yeah i think they're the like thicker part that you see on the band um, I'm trying to see on their website now. It doesn't yeah, really it doesn't spray. really say a whole lot. They have this it. like explodey graphic thing <laughs> on the website talking about the audio, but um, yeah, like that thicker white um has and it with a little black. Oh yeah, IR looking thing facing towards your ear. I think that's the speaker. Right. There's one on each side. Right. And yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, so it sounds if, like yeah. it's like an audible speaker, not like earbuds. Right, like right, right. Earbuds, I'm sure, if you want earbuds. The one thing I'll say that I found pretty silly about it, or not like um, the use case they showed it, because they made a quite a big, um, took quite a lot of time to talk about how good it is with photos and viewing like photos and memories and like oh, 3D video, live photo things that can't really be appreciated in a 2D plane. Um, which is fine. But then they're like, oh, you could like be at your daughter's birthday party recording a moment. And there's like cyborg, you know, Cyclops dad sitting there like grinning with this headset on watching like two <laughs> little kids like light a candle. And I'm like, this is just kind of weird. <laughs> like, yep, would the yep. kids be kind of creeped out? I don't know. It's a little strange. And the thing's like flashing because it like notifies you when you're filming. And I'm like, okay, I get the idea, but the execution look kind of goofy slash creepy to me. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same thought, especially during that scene. It looked very dystopian. Like, y- here's, yeah, here's our like reincarnated dad. That's... 
And then similar, I, it also felt a little dystopian when they were showed somebody like in the foreground, like doing something, but then in the background, like almost like blurred, like out of focus, was like that same dad sitting on the couch with his headset on. Yes, like, yes, that looked a little dystopian. But it I, was, I, it was. <laughs> I mean, that's that is that is the fear, and frankly, all these, you know, all the sci-fi around all this stuff, you know, going back whatever 30, 40 years, even is always dystopian. Like this leads to a bad place, all this technology and like disconnect from humanity and all sorts yeah. of nonsense. So once again, I am glad to see Apple like attempting to be responsible with their, we had to talk about it earlier, uh, never mind the headset, but like with the headset, they're also trying to be like, oh, stay connected to the world and people and it auto like, you know, dims or zooms when people come along to converse with you or whatever, or in your space. I imagine you could turn that feature off though. I'd be surprised if you couldn't. What if there's like stuff coming in out of your space constantly? Anyway, I'm glad to see them trying to make an effort anyway, and not just like, yeah, forget the world and everything and dive into our experience and forget your life. Like that's not healthy. Um, so I'm, I am very happy to see them, you know, make attempts at that. Even if I agree, like you said, it's like bizarrely dystopian and they're like family ads. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe that's a future though. And we're all just walking around with headsets, but the weirdness is some people doing it and some not, especially when it's like kids and adults, that just makes it extra weird. Um, <laughs> but it's still mildly weird. Like, Oh, the lady's on the couch and grinning and people are coming over and sitting down to talk. And like, I don't know, I guess I'm used to like wearing glasses or things. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I'll take off my headset or my glasses. Cause you're like here to talk to me. And the lady's just like, hooray, I'm going to sit here grinning and talk to you through my like weirdly dim ski goggle headset thing. Um, I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll see. Time we'll will see. tell. Yeah, yeah, time will tell. I'm not against it. I'm just saying currently it looks a little funny. That's all I'm saying. You'll probably be that old man in like 2090. That's all the, all the kids <laughs> with your VR goggles running around. <laughs> yeah, could be. Could be. Yeah. Um <clears throat> we could probably wrap it up here, but yeah, basically all good things across the board. I'd like 99 90 95%. Um fun new stuff for y'all your you know apple watch users ios 17 looks cool ipad os just they all keep improving mac os new stuff the game mode um oh uh what else um stuff like airpods are getting new like sound sensing features and stuff i guess that'll be a firmware update okay yeah that was cool Yeah, so Apple's feeling good. They're obviously, you know, they've been waiting like work this has been the works for who knows how many years. Um obviously a long time. They filed did they say 500, 5000? I forget what, a lot of patents. I didn't catch the number. It was but... some enormous it was at least 500. They might have even said 5000. I don't know which. It was one of the two. Like patents during the design. Um yeah, you know, uh, I'm happy to see a company who like has the resources actually swing big uh, and, you know, but not in, okay. Like this may sound weird, especially with the price point, but like, it doesn't seem like greedy, like self-serving, like cash grabby type of product. Obviously it's very expensive. It is a very luxury item because it's not like, Oh, I'm buying a high end computer that can do all kinds of stuff. It is a high end computer that can do all kinds of stuff, but with like abnormal applications beyond like your current, things you would do in your life so um it's just it's interesting to me and my point is they can they can afford to fail with this is why i'm happy to see them do it they're taking a risk 
in one way, a big risk. Obviously, they predict it'll pay off, it'll make them money and all that stuff. I'm not saying they're not like driven by that too. And they're like, oh, humanitarians or something. Um, I'm just saying I'm glad to see because sometimes big companies play it too safe for too long. Um, and they don't really come out with anything like really exciting or something that might fail because it's too either too ahead of its time or it's too ambitious or maybe it's um, the idea is compelling, but it's too flawed on release. Like all kinds of things could happen. Um, but I'm happy to like, if nothing else, it's really fun. It's created a ton of buzz. It's going to be in like sort of the tech sphere until it releases. And then of course, when it releases, because people are going to be all over it, at least in terms of like reviews and experiences and whatever. Um, yeah, so I'm just happy to see Apple swing big and whether they hit a home run or not, we'll see. I mean, not that I'm much of a baseball guy, but baseball terminology here. Um, yeah, I'm happy to see them take a risk and whether it pays off or not, I'm happy to see it happen. Um, because I think it'll push, you know, innovation drives also competition. Other people are going to start wanting to come out with something as good, or maybe something that is something cooler or different. And whether, I don't know, but I don't really trust Microsoft to do it. Not because like, Oh, I'm an Apple fanboy. Ha ha hit on Microsoft, but they don't seem overtly innovative in the hardware space. That's all I'm saying. So, um, <laughs> whoever, I don't know who might do it, but yeah, I'm just happy to see it. Sounds good. Well, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. That's the biggest thing. We'll see on the Mac games. We'll see on the new uh, Apple Vision Pro. Um, we'll see. The future is exciting and compelling. And how uh, how consistent that remains is really to be seen <laughs> across all the fronts. Yeah. Good stuff. That's, that's good stuff. Well, thank you, gents. It's getting late. It won't keep you longer. Um, yeah. So thanks for hopping on. This is a fun show. We'll grab, uh, Casper's thoughts, you know, later this week or next week, depending when he's free. Um, see what his angle is. Um, I'll probably just do that one-on-one -on -one unless Ted or someone wants to hop in. Um, you know, cause it's time zone. It's what it's uh, 3 30 AM for him right now. So he couldn't <laughs> hop on at this hour, but, um, yeah. So thanks a lot guys. Really fun show. Happy we could do it right after WWDC. And uh, really happy to have you back on, Sam. Love talking to you and hearing your thoughts. And um, I'm sure the listeners will too. So yeah, thanks a lot for being here, guys. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time. All right. Take care. Good night. Good night.